sometimes you've just got to give it a go and do the best you can and learn from your mistakes is the key one. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. A really warm welcome to Purposely with Maria Ramsey, CEO of Toy Foundation. Toy are one of the 12 community foundations at Aotearoa, a grant-making foundation focused on helping people in Taranaki. Maria has been with the organization a phenomenal 16 years. She has a really fresh perspective on community-based impact and philanthropy and can make a call if you're on Apple, Spotify, whatever platform, please hit follow. It really helps guests to get a message out there. Enjoy the episode. Maria Ramsey, welcome to Purposely Podcast. Kia ora. Kia ora. You're the CEO of the Toy Foundation. What's this mission? What's this purpose? Uh, well, the Toy Foundation is a philanthropic funder in, based in Taranaki. So we're one of the 12 community trusts in New Zealand. And our purpose is to support our communities to build a thriving, inclusive and equitable Taranaki. And so you're a grant maker? We, we are indeed, yep. yes. And give us, give us our audience a, a sort of sense of the scale, how much you donate, how big's the team, a bit about how you govern. Sure. So um, as I mentioned, we're one of the 12 community trusts in New Zealand. So we have a set boundary that is laid down in our trust deed and we're governed by the Community Trusts Act. Our trustees are appointed by ministerial appointment. Um, as far as the size of the organisation, we gave out just last financial year, we gave out just over 22 million and we service a population of sort of around about 122,000. Wonderful. And you've been here a long time, haven't you? Oh, I have. <laughs> yeah. I started with the what was at that stage the TSB Community Trust. I started back in 2006. And at the time that I started, the organisation was giving out probably about $5 million a year to the community and consisted of myself and two part-time administrators. Yeah, so a lot has changed. Yeah, a lot has changed. And you're just sort of diving back into your career and then we'll sort of land back at the foundation. But you trained as a nurse, I believe. But did you ever uh, turn up at the hospital? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. So, yeah, I trained originally as a um, registered nurse here in Taranaki. I did that for a number of years before I sort of moved into the management side within uh, our local district health board and then moved out into the private healthcare sector and then moved into local government working for the New Plymouth District Council um, as a manager at Pukiariki, our museum and library, and then joined the trust. Going right back to when you wanted to be a nurse, what, what drove you, what, what sort of motivated you, or what did you think that your career would be about? Uh, I think probably I set out to help people, I think, was what was quite important to me, looking to see how you could make the lives of individuals that much better. And so that's probably what led me into nursing. And so in um, an interesting way, the role that I'm in now directly supports that value that I have as well. Yeah, values alignment. And were you a very good nurse for the short time? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think so. I was. Um, I became a charge nurse at, at the age of 26. So I sort of started out working as a staff nurse, what we were called back in those days, and then very quickly moved up into leadership roles. And do you subscribe to the fact that 
you know, leaders are born, not made, or what would be your, because you, you're clearly born, yeah? Yeah, I, I, I think there is a degree of that, but I think that if you're foolish enough to think that as a leader you were born this way and you don't need to evolve and grow and change, so there's a degree of natural ability, I think, but there's also something in there about growth and looking at how you can improve and looking at new ways of working and maturity as well, I guess. Yeah, because you've clearly evolved with your career. Like, if you look back on your childhood, what or any of the things that happened to you as a child have made you who you are today? Oh, gosh, that's a deep question. Um, <laughs> um, I think the, where I grew up, and um, the experiences I had as a young person definitely have an influence on who I am today. I'm originally from Wainui Omata, down in um, sort of Wellington area. And then when I was around eight, we moved up to Taranaki and I grew up in Waitara. So that both of those areas, you could probably say, are lower socioeconomic and have some challenges. So I think firsthand of understood what it's like to grow up in some communities yeah having that empathy because you've had that lived experience yeah yeah exactly Mm. and the move to uh taranaki incredible part of the world uh has a massive monga or mountain which i've been halfway up absolutely terrifying it's got an incredible uh surf beach i I remember that and and, but a place you've fallen in love with a place that really feels like home It absolutely does. And you mentioned Mount Taranaki. And when you leave the region and go somewhere, you know, I've been overseas a few few times and spent a bit of time away, but always come back home. And when you you know your home, when you get to an area where you can see the mountain, he calls you back. Yeah, your mountain's a special mountain for lots of reasons, but incredibly beautiful to look at. Going back to the danger element, I think 200 people have lost their lives on that mountain and uh, the weather can change but it does dominate the sky doesn't it like all around like it it, it looks over the the people of, of Taranaki. Yes it definitely does so um, you're right though you don't um, want to take anything for granted that it's very accessible and quite easy to head up the mountain but things can change very rapidly so it's not a place to be taken lightly. Going back to that theme around evolving career you know, people who work in local authorities or local government get a, a bad rap and sometimes they can be, you know, thrown at them that they can be stayed or that they don't evolve or they don't modernise. But you, you've you really kept learning in life, haven't you? Like you've kept evolving. And is that being a kind of mantra? Like you talked a bit about that earlier around always continuing to learn and recreate yourself? I think I do. I think the thing is that I take on board a lot from other people. I think that you can learn so much from others. And that is from everybody, from the most grassroots people that you engage with through to sort of more high profile people as well. I think that everybody has something to bring and you can learn something from everybody. So that's always been something that I've I've kept in mind. I've also, I guess, tried to step outside my comfort zone and try to challenge myself with new experiences and new engagements. And have you always had the sense that you want to make your career count, like in terms of the, the whole purpose of it? Yes, that's definitely. I um, I left school originally and didn't know what I wanted to do. Got myself a job working as a 
in an office as a clerk and that was fine for the first few months and then I realised that I wasn't really having an impact anywhere and it wasn't something that I could cope with for the rest of my life so that's when I went into my nursing training and from there I've just um, always put my hand up, always being prepared to give something a go. I think that one of the things that can hold people back and it often does and I've, it's probably affected me at different points in my life as well is the fear of failure. So sometimes you've just got to give it a go and do the best you can and learn from your mistakes is the key one. Absolutely. You give up a lot of your spare time over the years to you know charity boards or, or sort of membership-based boards. So you've been the chair of the Netball uh, Taranaki, you've been on, on Lifeline. What drew you to those two organisations? Assuming a love for, uh, for Netball <laughs> on, on that one, but what, what drew you to Lifeline? Um, I guess the same sort of thing. I guess coming from a uh, medical background where, and thinking about the difficulties there are with mental health. So that really drew me into there. My latest position is with Taranaki Hospice, so the same sort of thing. I think that I have um, some knowledge and skills within the healthcare sector that can help, but also generalist governance experience as well. Do you like meetings? Do I like meetings? Oh, no, not particularly. I like a well-run meeting that sticks to the agenda and moves swiftly. Yeah, you like getting stuff done, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> and diving back into the into the foundation, uh, Toy Foundation, and originally called the TSB Community Trust. So you you, you started and you know not as boss, but you took on different levels of the organisation. And a lot changed in the sort of 16, 17 years you've been there. But I'm thinking about one of the really big changes, which is the name change, the brand change, but probably underpinning that was the strategy really mm. shifted. Tell us a bit about the evolution of that and what the role you played, because that, some of that stuff can't be easy, eh? because you represent your community and everyone's looking at you as funders, you know, right across the board. I guess as an organisation, we've been very fortunate, and when I say fortunate, it's also been strategically planned, that we've managed to grow our income very well over the last few years. So for us as an organisation, when we wanted to make a bit of a pivot and shift where we were looking at some of our funding, we didn't have to, we were fortunate that we didn't have to stop funding things. So we still fund in our traditional philanthropic way. We still support the small grassroots organisations as well as doing strategic grant making. So when we were looking at refreshing our strategic framework, that was something that we were very fortunate to be able to do. So what we did is we've, we still have Strengthening Community Fund, which is the traditional mailbox funding that this organisation has been doing since 1988. So we're still doing that and put around about 9 or $10 million a year into that. And then as well as that, we've managed to create a strategic and innovative and an impact investing fund as well and being able to really focus on where the areas of greatest need are. And that was all part of our strategic refresh that we had that was started in 2019. And then we launched that strategic framework in 2020. And then from there, we went on to um, consider who we were in, as an organisation and what our purpose was and how we portray ourselves to the community. And that's what led to our rebrand fundamental to any change in direction is that you get consensus the way that community trusts appoint their 
governance committee you know their board is is from the government isn't it and that kind of clearing the decks if you like to be more strategic you know the great you didn't have to turn off the, the everyday grants to the you know wide range of organizations but go right back to where did the driver come in terms of was it a strong some research i know there was some research involved was there a, a certain person who said hey we could do more good if we were more strategic where did that sort of initial push come from i think it was in some ways it was a bit of a natural evolution we did do some research and gosh i'm trying to think back to the first lot that we did which i think was probably around about I want to say 2013 or it might have been 2010. I need to go back and look. But we looked at a report around child poverty, which is a very negative way to look at things. Hopefully we don't look at things quite in that way anymore. But looked at what level of child poverty was there in Taranaki and where could we make the biggest difference and how could we help young people in Taranaki to grow up in a thriving and inclusive way. So at the, that time, our chairperson was Hayden Wannell, and he was quite instrumental in, in looking at what our strategy could be and how we could move forward. So we started off with really looking at back at that stage at what our purpose as an organisation was and, and what we could potentially do to be a bit more focused. We were still very fledgling at that stage just thinking about the different things we could do but the push really came through in 2019. That research that you did and and knowing that you had to serve certain communities more or certain parts of the the city more or like where did you land was it a geographical thing was it was it ethnicity where was the greatest need? At that stage we developed a a working in partnership with Māori strategy And we had a statement that we would use that if it works for Māori, it works for everybody. So that was our very early stage of looking at how we could engage. And and at that stage, we didn't have very strong relationships with local iwi. We didn't fund kaupapa Māori organisations particularly well. In fact, a very small amount of our funding went there because we just weren't engaging. Back when I first started with the trust we were an organization that didn't have a face people posted things in sent us applications we would write back to them with any queries we had there was no engagement with the community and it was really once we started to engage with community and look at what was needed and what was out there that I think we really started to see a shift because we actually had some connection with our communities and had some relationships and could actually see what was working on the ground and what wasn't yeah that's fascinating. So from a quite transactional type of philanthropy to more relational and partnership based? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where our strategic funds that we have is very much along those lines. So it's not just about giving a grant, it's about walking alongside an organisation. We fund them multi-year grant for multiple years, so sort of three to five years worth of funding so that they know they've got some stability. And then we'll walk alongside them as well. So we don't just give out money and say, come back in 12 months and tell us what's worked and, and where you're at. And we actually want to have a truly authentic relationship with organisations. So we'll meet with them on a regular basis. There's no more reporting required by them. It's more just having that extra support so we can actually 
foster connections for them. We can help with capacity and capability building as well as the service delivery that they do. So it's actually working in quite a different way and trying to move away from that master-servant relationship that you have with funders and recipients to being a more level footing. Yeah. Often being the front person and fronting it is wonderful, but it comes with some dangers. You know, it's about saying no, about having your head turned. You're a human after all. You go out, you see projects, you might love them. They might not quite fit. But that's when your strategy, your themes, your criteria plays an important part for you and your trustees. It certainly does. So we have a a very clear strategic framework and we have a set of four short-term outcomes. And of those, we're focusing here at the moment on child and youth wellbeing and rangatiratanga empowering Māori aspirations. Those are our two key ones. We're also this year developing an improved environment strategy so that we have a greater focus in that area as well. So we we come back to those strategies and, and see how things support and fit within that and funding where there is the greatest need. As part of our rebrand, we also developed our, our value statements and one of those is Niho Tanifa, which is to be focused so that we want to be an organisation that targets philanthropic efforts on where there's the greatest need and that will be deliberate in our actions. So that's something that really drives us as an organisation. And when you did that rebrand, I'm really interested in in the creative and, and, you know, it talks about being collaborative, being focused, having integrity and innovative, all good stuff. In terms of the the change of name, was that controversial, choosing a Māori name? And did you come under fire from people within your city for the rebrand? Like, what was it like at the time? Interestingly enough, no, no, we didn't. There, there was a couple of, um, you know, a, a few comments that, that came our way, but generally speaking, it was very well, well received. I think that was because it's not, we didn't just pick a name. We actually stopped and thought about who we are as an organisation, where we want to be within our community, some of the geographical components around where we sit with our Molna, as you mentioned earlier. So actually has quite a bit of meaning behind it, the the actual word, the design and how it fits with us. So it made sense. Yeah, I've done a little bit of research. So it does have a lot of meaning, doesn't it? So there's two meanings, I believe, origin and source being one. Uh, and then tip and summit being the other, which is um, fitting for you guys. So you didn't come out of fire any time over that, do you? Because it's you know it's a really important role, your role. And you know, I imagine people have an opinion about how you do your job. <laughs> have you had dissenters over the years, and and if so, how have you dealt with those? Uh, yes, there's there's always um, somebody within the community that that's maybe not very happy around the decisions that are made at the board I guess um, ultimately at the end the decisions aren't all mine they are the board's decisions so it's not that I make those decisions it's actually the board that do so the board are responsible for our strategy and our direction and then my role is to implement that along with a fantastic team of staff that we have and I think that if you're very clear around the why then it is much easier to deal with individuals that maybe aren't quite as happy with where things are going. We're very clear around why we fund as we do, what our strategy is and what we're wanting to achieve. On a personal level, do you 
think about things too much? Do you overprocess? Do these sort of things when you do come under a bit of fire or things are difficult with trustees or whatever it is, does that stuff get to you or are you pretty unemotional about that stuff? I wouldn't say I'm unemotional, but I'm probably at the stage now where I've worked in this area long enough that I can deal with it a lot better than I could maybe 10 years ago. So I think that some of it comes uh, with a degree of maturity and having worked in the sector and being very clear about what roles people have within the organisation, what is the role of management versus governance, and having some strong convictions yourself. Um, When we were talking earlier, you mentioned about value alignment, and that's very important for me. I mean, if my values didn't align with this organisation, I would probably find it a lot harder. Yeah, because going back to that point at the start, which is you've been there a a long time, you know, and almost to the end of two decades. What's that like? Does that, is there, you know, have you been sort of curious about, you know, disappearing off overseas, trying something different? Have you had 10-year itch or you're obviously clearly through that? But yeah, have you, or has it evolved enough for you to be happy? I think that if this was the same organisation that I came to back in 2006, I, I wouldn't be here. I may not have lasted very long. So this organisation has evolved so much. We've gone from, you know, two FTEs to we're now 16. We've got a huge connection into our community. We've got agreements with our iwi partners. We're giving out 22 million to our community and that's going to grow. We're at, within the next five years, we'll probably be up to around about 35 million that we'll be giving to our community. So the the fact that it's constantly evolving and changing uh, is what has really kept me interested. And it's challenging. I enjoy taking on new things and doing things in different ways. So I'm always keen to look for new ways to improve and look at how we can support our communities. Because for me, I like to think of it as an actual fact. We, We are here to serve the community. That's the only reason that we're here. So we're not here to wield power, to think that we know the best way to do things. We're actually here to learn from others as well. And you need to walk alongside your community to really have the best impact. So that organisation that I just described there is a very different organisation to what I came into all that time ago. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And do you think the other, so you're one of 12 community trusts, which, you know, because of the size of the investment is, you know, they're all powerful. But do you think that's been sort of a shift across all the other 11 as well? Yes, I think there is a, a greater understanding that, that we have to change the way that we engage with communities, that we need to be a lot more collaborative. It's interesting because, you know, we, we talk about, I remember when I first you know, well, probably actually, probably about 10 years ago, the buzz thing was, you know, there needs to be collaboration between organisations and the community and they need to be working together more. And But yet as funders, we never felt that we needed to do that. We were quite happy to do our own individual things. We didn't think about what sort of burden do we put on to applicants if we, every one of us has a different reporting regime. So when they apply to us for grants and they have to do their reporting at the end, if they had funding coming in from six different organisations, they've got six different types of reporting. So I think there's a greater 
acknowledgement from philanthropic organisations that we need to simplify and make things easier and have a more trust-based approach with those that we fund. Yeah, and I, I like that walking the talk. And and if you're, you know, funders are demanding that uh, charities and, and sort of impact organisations collaborate, but don't do it themselves, you know, I think I think that's really good. Where do you get your inspiration from? Like, do you get it from stuff you read, from mentors in your life, like people in your family? Where does um, where does Maria get inspired? From a mix of things, really. I think um, I did in twenty nineteen. I was fortunate enough to go to Columbia Business School in New York, and did um, an executive management program there that was very inspiring I met a lot of great people there that I've stayed in touch with that we catch up with on regular basis and just other leaders within the community and nationally so I'm probably more of a um, sit down and have a coffee with someone and engage with them and get inspired by some of their ideas and thinking more along those sorts of lines but I do enjoy trying new things and seeing how we can support our communities in different ways. Has being a woman in leadership changed dramatically over the last couple of decades for you that you've seen? Yes, some of it has. I think there's still a way to go, to be honest. I think that there are still times when probably less so in the philanthropic world. I mean, the majority of people in the not-for-profit and the philanthropic area are um, female, so that probably makes it a bit easier. But in the corporate side of things, I think there is still a way to go when it comes to leadership with women. And you as a great example to young women are coming through and who are considering what they're going to do with their career and and you know I meet more and more young people who focus on purpose what would be your advice to about to leave school go to uni or or not or what would be any sort of pearls of wisdom that you'd like to offer I think be very clear about yourself be very clear about what's important to you what your own personal values are and don't lose sight of those. They might they might mature, they might change slightly, you might go off in a slightly different direction, but don't lose sight of who you are as a person and stay grounded. No matter where you go or what you do, you can learn something from somebody else. So never get too ahead of yourself, but also be prepared to try something new. Yeah, good advice. And hopes and aspirations for the Toy Foundation in the next year or two? For us, it will be to bed down our uh, strategy. We've got a number of key work streams that we're we're working on at the moment. We're trialling participatory philanthropy this year. So that's a project that we're just in the process of getting set up. We're working with the Department of the Prime Minister on a First Thousand Days project. So that's quite exciting around what we could potentially do here in Taranaki. We have got some exciting things on the go. We've just recently looked at our staffing structure and and made some significant changes within our staff so that we have a complete engagement team that consists of four people to really engage with communities on strategic initiatives as well as still having a strong grant assessing team of three as well that go out and work with the community so we've got to the stage now where we can get out there and really interact with people I think one thing that um you can't underestimate is that if you want to work in a relationship 
type of way if you want to be authentic about it you've actually got to have people to do it because it's it takes more time it's much easier to sit in your office and wait for an application to come through the post than it is to engage with people just to break down those those two you mentioned so um participatory philanthropy gives a definition just gives a sort of summary of what that is well that's where you engage with i mean there's there's multiple versions of it really to be honest there's different levels what we're doing is we're going to be engaging with a community here in Taranaki we will allocate some funds probably around about a hundred thousand dollars and we're wanting to work with youth so we'll bring together a youth committee and they will design the process that people within their community will use to apply for that funding and they will be the decision makers so what we're doing is we're actually putting the trust and faith into that community to know where the best spend of that money is to get the best outcomes for that community so it's about power sharing really and putting that back into the hands of the community and first thousand days is is that early childhood yes it is a support yeah yeah Yeah. and the other key one that we're working on at the moment is a a maori theory of change here for taranaki that's grounded in taranaki tanga that's still quite early days but that's a really exciting piece of work that we're doing jointly with iwi leaders and organizations here in taranaki that i think has got some great potential it's not going to be completed for some time but it's um, definitely something worth keeping an eye on all good businesses have a you know they have a backup to the the main leader and they have a sort of plan for when they might leave but as you head towards 20 years maria ramsey have such a plan in her desk or there's definitely a couple of staff here now that could that could step into my shoes. I mean, they've, they's, um, I never have any concerns about being away for any period of time. I, you know, when I went to the course at Columbia, I was away for six weeks. No problem. It's great staff that can step in and do things. So, yeah, I, I don't think there would be any shortage of people that could step in and do what I do. Mary Ramsey, massive thank you for joining me on Purposely. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing, because I sure do.